This episode is brought to you by our Hosting Handbook mini course. Whether you're already hosting guests on Airbnb or you're still trying to soak up as much knowledge as you can, this course is the ultimate cheat sheet. It can transform your hosting from hobby to business. Get our coveted templates that include the welcome book, turnover handbook, and supply closet spreadsheet and other great bonuses you don't want to miss. Our hosting handbook is usually priced at $297, but for a very limited time, you can grab your seat for just $67. Head to www.thanksforvisiting.me forward slash hosting handbook to get all the deets. Now on to the show. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests, and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hey, listeners. Welcome to another great week. I'm Sarah Karakayan. I am Annette Grant, and together we are... Thanks for visiting. All right. We're going to start the show like we do every week. If you're new to our Thanks for Visiting podcast community, we love to share you guys, our listeners. We encourage all of you to leverage the free social media platform that is Instagram. It's free as of now to share your short-term rentals for the world to see. And often our guests search hashtags. Well, we search a hashtag and it's hashtag STR share Sunday. And if you use our hashtag, we will share you here on the airwaves and on our Instagram account. Annette? Who is the lucky host this week? This is someone that I've actually been following for a while. Notice they used our hashtag. Yes. So get out your phones. It's at the in, I-N-N, between T-X. At the in between T-X. And the this, I'm color. Talk Just about be brand. ready for some color. Be ready for some branding because they are crushing it. Absolutely and crushing it. So... Um, one thing I want to point out, listeners, is the link they give in their bio is actually Airbnb allows you to have like a, they call it like a professional host page. And it's where they list all of your listings. So if you don't have your own website where you have your own listings, which Annette and I always preach that I think that should be your end goal. But until then, you can give this link that kind of shows potential guests, all the properties that you have to offer. And so that's what they do. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six properties, all five stars. They're very like, the brand is dialed in. It is color. It is fun. It is, it's got this hint of vintage, but clean and approachable. Really, really well done, you guys. And anything else you want to point out about these uh, stars? Just Jake and Leah, I, fo- I we do follow them on Instagram and they have a really great story with their first property that they started with. I think it was kind of, you know, thought out, but on a whim like most of us. So I encourage you to, to not only follow them on Instagram, but follow along with their with their story. They they have, I mean, color. I, you're just, you're not going to be disappointed with the color and the experience that they provide. And I know they also, they also do a really nice job telling you places to go locally. Um, and I they're just, they're not scared. Let's just put it that <laughs> They're not scared to really provide a one-of-a-kind experience. But like Sarah said, I think that that, if you have more than one listing, we haven't pointed this out before, mirror what they're doing by linking to their multiple properties so people can book, you know, maybe if one of your, someone really wants to stay with you and you have another property, they'll be able to see it right away and you know, book um, if one of your places is occupied, which we hope you'll be able to book somewhere else and stay with the same with the same host. All right. Well done, Leah and Jake and Annette. Let's move on to this week's show. Awesome. All right, guys. This is a really good one. Get ready to dial in and um, get your... If you're not driving or on the treadmill right now, get your pen and paper out because I feel like today is going to be a healthy dose of um, practical 
pricing education. So Annette and I just finished up a five-week live coaching course with several um, soon-to-be hosts, several hosts that have their businesses in order. And our guest on today's show, Meg Park, was a guest instructor and she blew our students' minds. And so we said, Meg, you've got to get on our show. Uh, Meg has been working in the vacation rental industry since 2007. And she started at a time when she was actually looking to become a children's librarian and was pursuing a master's degree in library and information science from the University of South Carolina. And after working most of her life in retail, Um, She answered an online employment ad for a vacation rental company in Hilton Head Island, and she was fortunate enough to get the job working in the key office and being responsible for getting incoming guests their keys and other information they needed to get into the home or villa they had rented for their vacation. And now she is a pricing pro. Vacation rentals have become her passion. She loves the way it is forever changing, but always keeps the same core principles in mind, which is very aligned with the Thanks Visiting mission, which is creating happy adventures for families, friends, and even sometimes strangers. Meg, welcome to our show. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're We're doing well. We're doing really well. So Meg, besides that intro that I just kind of gave very quickly to our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more how you transfer, you know, how you transition from, you know, handing out keys and getting guest interaction to kind of what you're doing today? So, I mean, I was very fortunate to work for a company um, that was was growing at the time. So as, you know, I started in the key office, which I think is a great way to start in this business because it's really learning from the grounds up. You know, they always talk about those, all those 80s movies had, you know, it's the person from the mailroom who saves the day. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, think of myself in regards kind of like that, though. You know, I, I came in, um, I had a lot of experience in retail running my own businesses um, and just a lot of customer service uh, background is really what it, what happened. And, you know, and I was able to actually um, have a great understanding of technology and being able to use technology to make life easier. And that kind of set me apart, I think, from a lot of the other people that worked at that particular company. Um, and I was able to automate a lot of processes and get things lined up and just to make everything run a little bit smoother. So at the same time, you know, more and more properties were being added to the program. You know, the, the, the bit, that particular company grew from having about 125 properties to over 400 properties wow. by the time I um, left to start working as a consultant. So there was a lot of growth in there and a lot of changes in the industry, um, a lot of things that happened. I moved actually from the key office. Um, my degree, my undergraduate degree is in marketing. So I moved into the marketing coordinator position, moved to marketing manager then moved into uh, sales and marketing. So I oversaw all the reservationists, all of the marketing efforts, and all the IT for the company. And they all work together. They all work kind of hand in hand. I also worked very closely with the operations manager and the financial manager as well. So I have a good understanding of all aspects, kind of very well-rounded in the vacation rental industry. Yeah, I feel like if we're not careful, this it, this conversation can literally go in all the directions and our listeners would get value no matter what happened. Yeah, no, I had like four <laughs> questions popped up and I'm like, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah. I, you know, the, the important thing I always say, everything, everything relies on one another. Right? You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, I feel very fortunate that I am able. So many times somebody is so focused in one aspect, but they all, they're all they all rely on each other and they all impact each other and they all impact, you know, the owners, they impact the guests. So it's good to, it's good. And that would be one like kind of sneaky bit of advice I would give for anybody who's starting out. Like don't try to try a little bit by yourself. You know, you can have a guiding hand and stuff like that, but try to really understand and get a very well-rounded base to work from. And it will really take you far and get you greater understanding of how to set prices, how to deal with owners, anything. Yeah, no, I can't agree more. And I always like take it back to the visual of, you know, I used to very much scrub my own toilets, you know, (laughs) when I had just the one property. And, but that, that has given me so much of an understanding and a respect for the cleaning team. And then now I, you know, Meg, I shared with you before we went live, I've, I'm onboarding quite a, a very large 
vacation rental and uh, getting the pricing is really important. And it's just, it's a different ball game than my urban rentals. And so I'm learning so much there and working with the owners and, you know, leveraging other professionals who have way more experience than I do, but it, it all ties into each other. And so, yeah, you couldn't be more right. Well, let's, Meg, let's just go back to one of the things that you said, just to give our listeners an idea and us understanding. You mentioned that you worked for a company that had 125 properties that scaled to 400. Mm -hmm. Two questions here. First is, were most of those individual vacation homeowners that had hired the company that you worked for to manage them? And then two, can you give us an idea of the range of size of those homes? And was it a one-bedroom condo all the way to a 10-bedroom? Can you just let our listeners know what kind of things are out there on you know, the market that you were that you were running so they have an understanding there? Yeah, yeah. So a majority of that growth was individual owners. Okay. Um, you know, Hilton Head was fortunate to have some owners that started to buy multiple properties, but that was a very small percentage. Um, There was one acquisition of a smaller company for about uh, 35 to 40 properties. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was at the very end there. That kind of just pushed us over that 400. But everything else was just steady growth. Okay. You know, they, we would focus on a certain amount of revenue, uh, new revenue coming into the company on a year. We always had a goal in mind of where we wanted to be. And then we just worked our way towards that goal. You know, one of the things I want to mention as well, though, is not just that it is it is a large amount of growth, but at the same time, we were very sensitive to making sure of the quality of the property mm-hmm. um, to be remain consistent with our branding. So, you know, if a property sometimes started to fall, you know, I don't want to say into shambles, but maybe it wasn't that true luxury mm-hmm. upper end property that a Hilton Head guest or traveler was really looking for and was able a price point that was they were interested in in paying for a vacation accommodation. You know, so we would either work with owners to get their properties up to that level, or unfortunately, sometimes we had to tell owners, look, it's not a good fit anymore. And even when we did that, we were very sensitive to say, but we but we do have some other companies that might be a better fit for you. We always gave recommendations. Wow. So we always made sure that we remained friends with the people we considered our competitors because you never know. Right. You know, and, and it worked vice versa. Um, you know, sometimes we had uh, companies recommend to us if they weren't going to work in a certain area back and forth. Um, as for the size of the properties, anything from a one-bedroom to an eight-bedroom home was up for grabs. It was really a focus on the quality of the property because, as we all know, travel um, party sizes are are forever changing. You have your large family groups, you have your large extended families, but you also have, you know, maybe just a couple or you know, just a husband and wife or two girlfriends who want to make a, a quick trip to the beach kind of a thing. So you have to be, you have to have, and that's where retail comes in. You have to have a good prop, uh, product mix um, to make sure that you're reaching the widest audience. And also, if you provide them with an excellent experience, that that girlfriend getaway could turn into a rental for your eight-bedroom home for the mm-hmm. large extended family because they had such an outstanding experience when it was just them and their friend coming on vacation. So, so many truth yeah, bombs there. Yeah, I know. And Meg, wouldn't you agree that let's say we've got we've got a decent amount of listeners who have one vacation rental property, maybe two, and let's say they do have the girl weekend getaway because they have a container home, right? So it's small. Oh. It, it accommodates two couples, maybe, maybe. And then they say, hey, we've got a big family vacation coming up. Uh, do you have any other properties that, uh, you know, that would accommodate, you know, 12 people? And the owner all of a sudden is like, well, goodness, like I don't want to just send them out to the abyss. So wouldn't you say that's also another great reason to partner up with other Absolutely. companies in your area? Because then you can like, you know, I can't accommodate these people yet. Someday I'd like to have a property that size, but I can give them to my friend, competitor ABC. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they would send me some love if they, I mean, do you see a lot of that happening in the, in the professional markets? Absolutely. That is, that is imperative. And it's, it is yet another great reason to remain um, friendly with your competitors. You know, when we get into more of the pricing questions and stuff like that, it'll be a focus on, you know, what pricing that your competitors are doing. Right. But that doesn't have to be in a negative way. It is a positive as well, because you, if you're able to refer, they're able to refer. Or even better than that, 
if it's a large group and they maybe they don't want to stay in a large house, you know, especially now in the days with the pandemic, a lot of the larger groups are opting for a number of smaller properties. Mm. They're still somewhat together mm-hmm, right. um, in the same destination or even in the same building if that's possible, but they rent separate rooms, kind of like you would stay in separate hotel rooms. Right. So if you have a competitor, especially that's, you know, if you have a villa or you're in an urban area, you know, where there's no, numerous properties within a single building, it's good to know the other renters or hosts in that building so that you can say, hey, I have one and I recommend that you stay with this host in their property mm-hmm. because as long as that property is of the quality similar to yours, then you're good. You know what I mean? You're, you're giving a good referral and you are giving um, your guests you're helping them with a solve a problem, which will go a long way for them coming back to your brand. I great. I mean, so many things. Let's let's dive into pricing because I mm-hmm. feel like if I'm not careful, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Meg, what what would you say? Can you please explain the difference between dynamic pricing and revenue management to our listeners? What is dynamic pricing and what is revenue management and what is what are the differences? So dynamic pricing is the pricing for a specific property. And what, what, what makes it dynamic is that you are constantly changing the price to match the demand of for that particular property. So you you know what I mean? You're you're it's it's very, very narrow in focus. It's very focused on exactly what the property itself is able to get. Revenue management is a much broader picture, a much broader um, look at finances of your company as a whole. So revenue management is when you take into consideration, what are you paying for cleaning? What are you charging your guests for cleaning? Are you upcharging by a couple bucks to increase your personal revenue? Are you looking at your bottom line costs in general? Are you spending too much on marketing and therefore eating into any revenue you you may be making? And you kind of always have to be looking at both. Since you, if you follow a dynamic pricing model, your pricing is going to constantly change because ultimately the number one goal for most people with dynamic pricing is to get the highest amount of occupancy. In order to do that, there are times where you may have to go below a price for your property than you normally would. Well, that means that your the amount of revenue that you are generating during that time, whether it's a week or a couple of months, you know, depending on your seasonality and everything, you have to make sure that that is not the time of the year that you're like, oh, I'm going to go in and, you know, and spend a rebuild an entirely new website. You know, you have to make sure that you're watching your pluses and minuses across the board. And that's where revenue management is a much broader picture, where dynamic pricing is much more property specific and very much more focused. Okay. Let's say you've done your homework in terms of looking at your competitor's pricing. You're comparing apples to apples. You know, your eight-bedroom, someone else's eight-bedroom, or your... Two-bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Or you're on this corner and so is your... Okay. So you, you, you've you got that dialed in. You're doing your homework. You're writing down the pricing that you're seeing popping up, cleaning fees, what have you. You plug it in. Now, your preferred third-party dynamic pricing uh, product is beyond pricing, correct? Yes. Okay. So, and listeners, don't worry. I'm not just going to glaze over that. We'll get back to that. But so Meg, let's say someone's using beyond pricing and beyond pricing is saying the price is different from all that homework we've just done, you know? So what what happens then? Like we're, we're at the beginning phases. We've done our homework. We know what our competitors are kind of doing, what their calendars are saying, but then we use a third-party product and it's saying something different. You don't know. You're new at this. What advice do you have? Beyond pricing is a tool. It's a a tool that you use. So it is an element that you should take under consideration. Okay. Okay. That that being said, if beyond pricing says that your price difference is about a hundred bucks, I would go with the price that you came up with through your research. Okay. Um, and then, and then the other thing that I would tell you to, you know, but if if beyond pricing says you're way way under. You know, like you're, it's like a $250 a night difference between what Beyond Pricing is saying, what your research has come. I would once again go back and look at your competition again. Yes, it may be the same exact property in the same exact building with pretty much the same view and a one floor difference. So basically the same property. Mm-hmm. You need to take into consideration the quality of that property, mm-hmm. any amenities being offered in that property. Things like that beyond pricing doesn't always take mm-hmm. into consideration. And that's where that's where you cannot, it's a tool. You use it to provide you with information, 
but it is not a set it and forget it and walk away type thing. I love that. And I think that's where a lot of people have a little bit of a disconnect because they're searching for a set it and forget it. It Beyond Pricing minimizes the amount of time you have to spend and provides a lot of that research in a simple one dashboard view. But there's still there's still a lot of importance in, in looking around and knowing your market and knowing the quality of the property that you have and what it, and how it compares to uh, your competitive properties around you. Listeners, this is really important. It doesn't matter if you have one one property. This is where you can really you cannot set it and forget it. I think I've told this story numerous times. I set my price identical Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday <laughs> for for yeah, it, it, you know, beginner and I did it for every day of the week for months. And I'll tell you until I I didn't know what dynamic pricing is was, but we all use it. It doesn't matter the size of your business. But when I started to change and use dynamic pricing, that's when two things happened. A, I got really freaking excited because I was like, wait, what have I been doing? Setting, like I'm actually getting way more bookings and making more revenue. But two, it it, it became a chat, like a fun challenge to what Meg just said. Look at my competitors. Look at why is that, why are the pricing tools telling me I should be at this? I'm like, no, I trusted my gut with what I thought my space was worth. And I was going higher than all the dynamic pricing tools, what they were telling me. And it just felt really good that I was still getting bookings, mm-hmm. knowing, going with my gut and and not only my gut, but comparable what my offerings were in comparison to my competitors and knowing, hey, I have X amount of wonderful reviews. They have zero review, you know, that type of stuff. So if you think dynamic pricing isn't yet like something that you're participating in, it needs to be like today, go in your calendar and start shuffling that pricing. Because obviously a Monday night to a a Saturday night, especially in an urban market is really going to differ. But that's, that's important. Every single person should use dynamic pricing. It's not a flat rate for your whole entire calendar. And if that if we're talking to you right now, you can please DM us and say thank you because you should switch those switch those up and, imme- immediately. And Meg, you'll have a you'll have a link for us to, to per, in our show notes for your beyond pricing link, yeah? Yes, yeah, Great. I can provide that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Meg. So, all right, so we should do beyond pricing, but we shouldn't set it and forget. So, how much time mm-hmm. should a host, a manager, an owner spend um, each week in their calendar? Honestly, you you want to look at it two times. You want to look at it on a Monday and you want to look at it on a Friday. Ooh, okay. And the amount of time really depends on how many properties you're looking at. So I'll give you the example for the over 400 properties. We spend a most of two hours a week on, on setting pricing for that. You know, it doesn't, so it doesn't, the, the, once again, it's a tool and it's a tool that it, that provides you with bits of information. You don't have to look at every single individual property if you have that many properties. You're going to just look at the problem properties or the ones that are not performing, mm. the ones that have gotten zero bookings for the last two weeks. That's an issue. If it's, but at the, at the opposite side, if it's a property that's gotten three bookings in the last two weeks, you need to raise your prices. You know, so, so, and that's the kind of things that you're going to, to look for. You know, and then it also enables you if you start seeing a trend, a property that hasn't gotten any bookings for three to four weeks, that's not necessarily a pricing issue. That might be a marketing issue. You might need to look at it. Are the photos looking good? Is the description accurate? You know, those kinds of things. So it is, and that's why I'll say it over and over. It's a tool. It's a tool that you use to accomplish a goal, but it is not a set it and forget it. And if you you guys said it, and if, if your listeners leave with one thing, it is that pricing is not a set it and forget it. <laughs> yeah. If not, you're either leaving money on the table that you could be getting higher rates or your occupancy is is way too low and a little reduction would get you a lot a lot more occupancy. And so on Mondays and Fridays, are our listeners kind of looking at the immediate, like the immediate past and the immediate future? Or are they, and they, are they spending any time in the months ahead and seeing how those occupancy rates are? Or do you kind of say, no, focus on, on the present? So that's where it's important to know your area. So it really depends on your area and what your booking window looks like. You know, traditionally, and I hate to use Hilton Head as an example, but Hilton Head has a very high repeat guest yeah. uh, percentage. 
So a lot of our bookings, and we would market this way, are done literally within the two to three weeks after the guest left. Wow. So so you don't you're not you know what I mean? You're not necessarily looking at it. You you are, but once again, you're looking at how many reservations have come in. If you see a property that has four to five reservations come in, in the last couple of weeks, it doesn't matter when those bookings are staying. It's a matter of your price is too low somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you need to you need to take a, a look at it. The reason that you do it primarily on a Monday and a Friday is because um, a large percentage of online bookings, and this is pretty consistent nationwide and worldwide, come in over the weekends. You know, that's when when two income families, which a majority of our families are, let's be honest, you know, the husband and the wife are both working. If not, the wife is a stay at home mom who is now homeschooling her kids. And that is a full time job onto itself. And they, you know, they are sitting down on the weekends dreaming of where they want to go and what they want to do. And that's when the husband and wife have time to chat and actually make a selection. So, so many of your bookings are coming in on the weekend. You want to look just before those bookings come in to make sure you're positioning yourself the best that you can out of all the options out there. And then you want to review it after that weekend to say, okay, what opportunities did I potentially miss that I might get for that smaller percentage of bookings that come in Monday through Friday? That's great advice. We've never like instructed our listeners to do something that dialed in. I love it. They're going to love that. Yeah. I, I just think too, it's a great way to start your week off and a great way to cap your week off knowing that you're heading into the weekend. So listeners, you might be able to toggle on like one or two other tasks on that just to set aside some, carve out some time to, again, start, start, kickstart your week and then end your weekend knowing like, okay, I've got things dialed in to keep flowing, you know, while, while the weekend's going. Meg, we can- and, and you brought up an important point. Make sure you schedule the time. Schedule that yeah. Schedule that full hour, even if it doesn't take you that long. Do that while you're eating. I hate to admit it, but I drink my coffee and eat my breakfast and read my emails and a couple of articles. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but make it make it a point. It's, it's, well, it'd be very, very valuable for them if they just set that right now, just to, to make sure they're on top of it. You make know, it a habit. Listeners on, you know, on Friday, you can just pencil in your revenue management and listen to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. There we go. There you go. (laughs) So once you're done with that, you can do that and you can do like your education in one. (laughs) All right, Meg, we get this question a lot on our DMs and in our email inboxes. Okay. So uh, truthfully, a lot of our our listeners, but actually it's really coming diverse lately. But beginning, it was a lot of urban host owners, managers who tuned in. Now we're getting a lot of people who are interested in buying vacation property because of the new way people are traveling. All Mm -hmm. that to say, how far out do we keep our calendars available? Mm -hmm. Is it that mindset of like 12 to 18 months and you just, you're lucky to get, you know, future bookings or do you not know what your revenue and pricing is going to look like that far out? So you might be shooting yourself in the foot. What are your thoughts on that? And does it depend on location? It depends a little bit on location, but I always tell everybody you want to be about a year out. Um, Once again, there is even even in destinations unlike Hilton Head that are that are much more closer in and have a much tighter booking window and not as high of a repeat guest ratio. Asheville, North Carolina is a prime example. They don't have a high repeat guest ratio. However, they do have people who are planning your larger parties, so right. your larger homes. Anybody who has a, a four or five bedroom home or larger, you definitely want to have your pricing out at least a year, if not more than that, or have or be be have some thought in what you would price a property two years out. Because your larger homes are going to the larger groups of people, which we all know it's harder to get a large group of people focused on a property or on a date. You know, you have to plan way in advance to take a vacation as a large group or to have an event. If you have a home that will allow a wedding or something along those lines, definitely you want to be having your pricing set farther out than closer in. You know, so it is, I think it's important to do a rolling 20, mm-hmm. uh, rolling 12 months, should I say, pricing strategy. So, you know, as that as that d- day or week or month goes by, you go 12 months out from that and make sure your pricing is loaded into your system or into your listing so that guests have the ability. So many platforms out there, whether it's an online travel, an OTA or a PMS, a property management system, will not show your property as being available unless a price is loaded in. Mm. So anybody who is searching or doing the research, they're not seeing your property unless you have a price Mm -hmm. in there. 
you know, you really want to focus in um, for, on anomalies. So like I said, a property that all of a sudden a year out starts booking up, you didn't raise the rate high enough, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. Whereas a property that's sitting vacant and you're a week out, you're too high, you definitely want to lower it a little bit. Or like I said, it's a red flag um, that there's something wrong either from a marketing perspective, location, it could be anything. You know, you, you, there's a whole checklist I used to go through when a property didn't receive any bookings for the last four weeks. Um, that was a, a red flag for me in managing the 400 properties that we did. But a rolling rolling 12 would be the best recommendation when it comes to how far out for pricing. And then do you, this was just, again, kind of a gut thing that I used to do my... I'll call it a healthy... like I did dynamic pricing from within. <laughs> I always did really high prices 12 months out to try yep. to like really capitalize... And then as the months rolled in and got closer, I would go lower. Do you, if someone isn't using a tool, they're, they're just doing it on their own, would you suggest that also? Absolutely. So somebody who is looking that far in advance is going to pay more for that because they're more focused on the quality of the property mm-hmm. and maybe the size of the property as opposed to the actual pricing. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And you got to remember in special events, I mean, everybody, you think about how much people pay for weddings nowadays, a, a one sure. day event, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I bought things, I, I don't know why I bought them. And that was, you know, 25 years ago, but still, but it was one, it was my one special day and I paid. Right. You know, when you pay extra for any kind of special events and that far out, that's what a lot of those people are doing. Special events, whether it's a family reunion or something unique and different, they will pay. There's always a, there's always a premiums. There should be premiums on the, the booking window. So yeah, when you're, when you're nine to 12 months out, you should, your rates, your traditional rates should be raised five to 10% on average. Once again, that depends on the market, you know, but, but at the same time, shorter stays is another area that a premium should be applied for. Generally speaking, people will pay unless, unless a two night or a one night stay is a standard in your market, people will pay a premium for a shorter stay. So if you're in a market that's traditionally weekly rentals, meaning a majority of your reservations for the full year are five to seven days, uh, if you go below that five or seven day mark, you should have a higher nightly rate than you would for a weekly rate. And you would, yeah, and it sounds like, because I can try to think of how you do that manually, unless you like personally uh, confirmed every booking that came through for you, but a tool would help you be able to capture those higher prices for a shorter stay. A tool would, but you also, in in a lot of the listing sites, have the ability to set certain fees or Mm -hmm. other things based upon length of stay. Like Mm -hmm. rules and exceptions Mm -hmm. there, for Mm -hmm. sure. For sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so you could automate it when you, because more than 50% of bookings should be coming via an online source. Right, right. Not, Not from you talking to somebody on the phone. Right. 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 Um, and you, you meant, I wasn't going to, I didn't think about asking you this, Meg, but you mentioned weddings a couple times. And two episodes ago, episode 77 listeners, we had Ashley and Brett Nobles on. Um, and they, Meg, are, uh, they specialize in location shoots. They, they're based out of LA, but they've, they've found a way to help people who live in any area really work with brands and content creators to leverage properties for for commercial shoots. So if if any of our listeners have a property that is, you know, more vacation rental, beautiful, picturesque, and they get that message of wanting to have a wedding, like you mentioned, or some sort of like family reunion, are those prices different than a regular overnight accommodated stay? Or is it a premium? Is it more to have an event there? It could be either. So I know I know companies that handle it different ways. If you a lot of times if it's an event and you're going to have a number of people within the property, you charge an event fee. So in that event fee, of course, is based upon it is not a per night fee per se. It is more of a flat rate that mm. you're having an event. And that means there's going to be more wear and tear on the property. Whether, you know, let me just, you know, High heels on hardwood floors are not a good thing. <laughs> no. You know, so so you ha- you have to be prepared for that. Don't don't let somebody wheedle you down on the price and get it down real low and then you, your damage is through the roof. Once again, revenue management. Yeah. You're not managing the overall revenue from that booking very well. 
So a lot of a lot of places like on Hilton Head and some of the beach destinations, that's what they do. They have an event fee if it is a home where the owner will allow something like that. You know, location shoots are a huge thing, especially if you're in a destination such as a beach destination or even the mountains. You know, we've we've I've worked with companies that have actually had uh, local area grocery chains come in and use um, a kitchen for a series of videos. You know what I mean? And there was there was an event fee attached with that because once again, it was a lot of people at one time in the property. You know, so there was a little bit more wear and tear on the property. And um, I know Sarah just experienced this. Uh, we were chatting about this like two days ago. Someone who's staying in a property for a couple of days. It's and it's not a large. It's it's a decent sized property, but he wanted to host a brunch there mm-hmm. and. You know, it was like, wait a second, what's, you know, Sarah and I were going back and forth. What should we charge this person? Because again, like you said, they're having an event. They're going to have a, you know, maybe 10 to 12 people, but that's a lot more people in the space. And the four that are, in the four that are staying. And he was kind of offended, I think, at the, the event price that mm-hmm. we gave. Mm-hmm. But Meg, we, how do you handle that when like, and I don't know if you've come across this, but, you know, Sarah gave him the price and he was like shocked and we're like, Dude, like if you went to a restaurant or had a, you know, reserve a space, it'd be six times that. So how could, have you ever had that where you did have an event and you kind of had to justify pricing? You always have to justify pricing. <laughs> okay, good. People, you know, people, people don't get it. And, and if that, the pandemic has done anything, it's, it's definitely in some, some areas brought out interesting guests and um, interesting philosophies. You know, and the, and a lot of right. uh, really sad stories that I never thought I'd ever hear. Yeah. But that being said, um, you you do, and, and you have to remember that you have a very valuable commodity. And I think it's human nature to always be like, "What? You right. charge me what? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As long as you're reasonable, right? And as long as you remain calm in your communication, calm but with fortitude. They most of the time I find people are like, "Oh, okay," and if they're not. That's on them, not on you. Right. You know what I mean? You know, they, they've already booked the property, you know, and now they want to add an event or, or whatever it is, you know, but, but the key there is to be reasonable. You right. Know, uh, you know, I've had event fees for something similar to what you say, as low as a uh, three or $400. So not, not that much mm-hmm. it is what they would pay, you know, at a restaurant, which, which has usually most of the time nowadays with rooms at restaurants, if you want a private room, you literally have to uh, have a certain amount that you spend. Yeah, you have a guarantee spend like 1200 bucks or something. Yeah, Yeah, I I think what you said is, um, you know, obviously make sure it's reasonable, but then no, like, you know, don't just give them, I mean, give them the price, see what their response is. And then depending Uh on that response, I think have your rebuttal prepared that is numbers-based of like, you know, I know that there's restaurants in my neighborhood, you know, that charge there's a $1,200 minimum to have a brunch there or there's a $500 room and you have to book it for three hours or whatnot. So I think that's the thing because I think what happens is guests do an automatic comparison to the nightly fee. And that's not what we're not comparing it to the nightly fee. We're comparing it to the event that you want to host. And what would that be? What would that event be comparable? Mm-hmm. Not the nightly rate. And that was the that was where kind of I think the difficulty came in was trying to explain this isn't another nightly stay. I think the same goes for Meg, you know, chime in here obviously too, you know, with a pet fee. You know, mm-hmm. what is it in your area listeners that it costs to board a, a pet? You know what I mean? And and what is that value of the owner being able to, or the guest be willing to bring their pet with them if you are indeed pet friendly to help you figure out where you fit in terms of those pet fees? So, and obviously pets leave hair behind. Pets are a, a lot more to clean, harder to clean for your cleaning team. You probably have to replace the carpeting or the rugs more often. So, I mean, Meg, would you agree with that? You just kind of have to do your homework, see where you fit and then be confident in your decision. It, 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 that's exactly true. And, and that's with any any fee that you want to, to charge at all. You know, people, you know, people always say, I don't want to be nickel and dimed or, or anything else like that. But at the same time, I mean, I could come up with 20, 20 ways a $250 pet fee doesn't even cover the additional wear and tear on the home. Right. And, that's, and that's the scary part, but you have to be competitive within your market as well. And and the let's truth be told here, if you're ha- ra- charging an outrageous pet fee, the chances are your daily rate is below market value. 
because because it's the all all in prep price that a lot of people do look for. Right. Okay. You and our you have a question uh, that a word. Uh, that we we kind of ask listeners, we ask guests, hey, what are some questions that we should ask? And Meg has one here that I don't even know what it is. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh. I mean, I know what it is, but I think I would say it, you know, I wouldn't use this terminology. What is gap filling in the vacation rental market in short term? Okay, space? gap filling is when you have those small, small areas of 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 a, of, of a open occupancy. So I have like a Wednesday, a, wi- a random Wednesday night or a Tuesday, yep. Wednesday night. Okay. So those yep. are like, yep. okay, abandoned nights. nights. Okay. Gotcha. So many times people just leave it empty, but it is an opportunity. And it goes back to what I said earlier that people will pay a higher nightly rate to be able to stay just one night. You know, you, you talk about your midweek stays. Anybody in an urban market should be looking for listing sites. There's a lot of ones that are popping up now for travelers especially now, because they don't necessarily want to stay in a hotel, but they think that's the only option that they have, where they they can stay in a small vacation rental at this time for one night if you're willing to offer it. And let's be honest here, they're not really paying for it. Their company is. So when you, you can charge them $300 for your small studio in New York. You know what I mean? Or that's actually... When you, when you, said, when you said travelers, Meg, did you mean business travelers? Is that, business travelers. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. You know, that is an untapped market, I think, for vacation rentals that a lot of, a lot of smart companies are starting to really uh, hone in on and take a look at. And it's a great opportunity for gap, fill, gap filling for those midweek stays. Because that's, let's be honest, most travelers traveling Monday through Thursday nights mm-hmm. are, are business travelers. And, you know, that, 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 that segment of, of travel is uh, slated to potentially come back a little bit faster than, than even some of the leisure travel that we're seeing spikes. Mm. And I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my gut on this, that when business travelers are traveling again, I think that companies are going to be much more willing to let their business travelers stay in a short-term rental because, you know, not forcing them to go into their preferred hotel chain just for comfortability of that business traveler. Like they might not want to go to a hotel with elevators and not distancing and a lot of different places. They might want to have their own space. And I think that companies are going to be a lot more, you know, willing to work with their employees post-pandemic and, and cater to where they want to go a little bit more. They're going to be a little more lenient on their travel protocols. Yeah, they, they want to make sure that their employees feel secure and safe traveling because it's generating them business. So they are mm-hmm. going to be a lot more flexible in the in the type of accommodation that they can stay in. I 100% agree. And and I encourage your listeners to start looking for resources to get their property out in, in those types of, of areas. Meg, okay, cancellation policies. <laughs> we've been we've been in we've been in COVID now for you know, quite some time, um, relatively speaking. So what happens now with, and I think before, I mean, even I was feeling like my heartstrings being pulled on, like I had a policy in place, but there's all these, like you said, you've heard so many stories at this point about why people, you know, like they know what they've signed up for, but whatever. What What are your recommendations for that? You know, you don't want to, especially if, you know, the guest has been a repeat guest or they or whatever that is. Do we do we as owners and managers and hosts, whatever we call ourselves, do we stick to the cancellation policy come hell or high water? Or do we do we look at it on a case by case basis? So both and neither. <laughs> you know, the, the irony of the situation is that even before this pandemic hit us, cancellation policy was a real hot topic in the industry. Mm-hmm. And, and that it really goes back to the whole thing that the hotel and vacation rental markets were merging into one. And, and I'll give you an example. And, and that is the fact that a lot of times now when you go to a hotel or you see a new hotel built, they always include a kitchenette. They always include a living area. They were becoming mm. hotels, new hotels that were being built or ones that being retrofitted were becoming more vacation rental like, mm-hmm. and vacation rentals in, at the same time were starting to adapt adopt a lot of the policies, including cancellation policies of hotels. So most hotels allow you, for the most part, will say cancel within forty eight hours of arrival. 
And you were starting to see a lot of property managers evaluating whether it was leisure or urban, it doesn't make a difference, business travel, what it was, it was across the board, really leaning towards a little bit of a looser or a closer in um, cancellation policy or offering a different cancellation policy based upon the average booking window for that type property. Mm -hmm. Meaning your larger homes still have that 90, 120 day cancellation policy, whereas they could cancel for no fee or a very small fee up until 120 or 90 days prior to arrival. Whereas your smaller three, two, or whatever is a large bulk of your inventory, even four, had a different level where they could cancel up to 30 days prior. So you were seeing that even before the pandemic hit, because the booking window was very slowly at that time, shrinking for vacation rentals, um, except for your larger homes. And, and we talked about them for specialty events, so on and so forth. You know, with, with the pandemic, I, I would tell people we're at the point now that they probably need to adopt a similar style of cancellation policy based upon the size of their accommodation and the booking window. So they need to take a look. If you are, if you have that large property, you can have a cancellation policy that's 120 to 90 days out. But if you're a smaller property, I don't, I don't say you go down to a two-day or a 48-hour cancellation policy, although the likelihood of rebooking it within 48 hours is probably a lot higher now than it's ever been, mm-hmm. but it will be at a lower price point, let's mm-hmm. be honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless unless you get really creative. But I would definitely encourage people to to actually do an overhaul of all of their cancellation policies and then stick to them. Those are the cancellation policies. If the person gets COVID, if they don't get COVID, if they're afraid of travel. We are we are at a point now that I think the market could bear bearing any unforeseeable massive change. People have their heads around it. People are either traveling or not traveling, and they will follow whatever cancellation policy you put in place. The second caveat to that that I would tell you is that I strongly encourage any cancellation policy to not be a 100% refund. You should always charge some kind of small fee. That gives you, honestly, a little leverage if you ever have somebody who really, really pushes or has that really, really sad sob story that you can say, you know what, you can cancel because this is my cancellation policy, but you know what, I'm going to go ahead as well and waive the $250 or waive the $100 um, fee. Because you got to remember, you spent a lot of time getting the property ready or marketing the property. It was blocked and unavailable for somebody else to book. You need to get some kind of compensation. And whether or not you share that compensation with your owners is an individual uh, host's decision, whatever they want to make. But um, definitely take a hard look at your cancellation policies, set them for the future when there is no pandemic and no more COVID. Please let it be soon. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then just stick with it because the market was heading in that direction to begin with. My God, Mick, yeah, so, that's, so that's good. Um, obviously, there's like an endless <laughs> array of questions and topics we could chat about. But is there anything else before we wrap up this episode that you would love our audience to know and understand before before we wrap up? You know, I, I, I guess my biggest thing is I would I would encourage them once again, and just to reiterate, is to actually follow that uh, Monday, Friday, review your prices, whether you use the tool or not. But I would also highly encourage that they do take a close look at a tool like Beyond Pricing, just because of the fact that um, it's going to ease their burden when it comes to the research that goes into true dynamic and revenue management. And, and just make sure that they're aware of their competitors for good reasons and bad reasons and know their market and spend a little time getting to know their market. You know, the other thing is when you're bringing a new property on board, using a tool such as Beyond Pricing because of the nature of that company and the way they operate, they do give you a good starting point for pricing in your uh, for your property in that market. And like I said, it is a starting point. But if you're new to hosting or new to vacation rentals as a whole, sometimes pricing can be the hardest thing to come up with and you can spend hours. And I guess Beyond Pricing would be a little bit of a shortcut just to get started and then learn, learn it. Give you a little more opportunity to learn as you go. I mean, and, and right now, obviously, technology can very much be our friend and that data is out mm-hmm. there and it's being mm-hmm. measured and it's being shared. And so I agree, Megan, like it's like, why 
why take that time to, you know, when when there are tools out there that can help us. And listeners, as we said, we'll have um, Meg's link to Beyond Pricing in the show notes if you're interested in checking out that product. But Meg, if they want to get a hold of you and just chat, you know, what whatever money, how to work with you further, how you could help them, what, what's the best place our listeners can can reach out to you at? Honestly, I, I do have a website, megparkmarketing.com, and there is a contact me form on there. That would probably be the best way. Um, and it also will see, you know, I, I do have a very well-rounded uh, view of the vacation rental industry. And um, I love to work with, with, with potentially new hosts or hosts that are seasoned, but might just want to do a review or, or get a little jump start as we move into this this new era of vacation rentals, but definitely reach out to megparkmarketing.com and fill out that contact me form. Um, and then they can also read my bio again. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have all that information in the show notes, guys. And like we say every week, um, listeners, we do send out uh, a comprehensive overview of each podcast episode to your email inbox so that you don't forget that it's coming or you can save it as your to-do to make sure you listen to that episode about, about pricing. So if you want to be a part of our email list and get that delivered to your inbox, head on over to thanksforvisiting.me. Meg, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And I know that you've helped a lot of uh, vacation rental and hosts out there um, kind of like level up their pricing game and, and make it more of a healthy business business for them. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This has been a, a pleasure. I love I love talking about vacation rentals and, and pricing especially. <laughs> it shows. All right, listeners. I am Sarah. I'm Annette. And together we are. Thanks, thanks for visiting. visiting. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting. wonder what it would be like to have personalized guidance from Annette and me? Imagine achieving the same incredible results we helped Amy achieve, increasing her overall revenue by a staggering 187% by diving into her biz numbers. Or perhaps you'd love to boost your hosting business like Miranda, who added a fantastic $10,000 by refining her pet policy. Well, here's a scoop. There's only one way to get that one-on-one support from Annette, myself, our expert coaches, and our industry pros is by attending our on-demand workshop. Trust us, it's worth it. During the workshop, we'll make an offer to all of our attendees to join our membership. Once you're a part of our exclusive membership, you'll gain access to our elite community of hosts in our private Facebook group. This is where the magic truly happens. Members are engaging in discussions about their business numbers, occupancy rates, how to handle guest challenges, and providing unwavering support to one another. Plus, We will have live coaching calls to help you dive deeper into portfolio growth, team building, marketing, and so much more. Don't wait any longer. Head on over to www.hostmasterclass.com right now to secure your spot and embark on this exciting journey with us. That's www.hostmasterclass.com. Trust us, you won't regret it.